pleasant hello to you wherever you may be. This is the 615 Preps Podcast presented by NCP Coatings. Alongside Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Thanks for joining us this week. Round number two of the TWSWA playoffs is coming this Friday and Saturday, actually, in case of NBA. But round two, Scott, we've had a good, pretty good round one, but round two seems to have some firepower to it. And we're going to talk about that in this episode. Woo! Yeah! Firepower. I'm still rocking out to that theme song. I thought Ric Flair was coming in for a second. <laughs> you brought all, the, brought all the woos. <laughs> let's not let's not start that. Let's not start that. I'm sorry, man. Wrestling died with me. Uh, wrestling went out with me with uh, uh, the Nature Boy. That is oh. Ric Flair. It is Ric Flair. Okay. He's still alive. Yeah, okay. So. No, who? Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. Oh, oh, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Used to come on before the Braves games. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that we're getting off on a tangent here already. We're, Boy, one, I, we're one minute in. You you want to spin Chris to another dimension? Start talking wrestling. Uh, well, that that would do it. <laughs> we got to talk about uh, the first round for a moment. A couple of really good, a couple of matchups that uh, we saw from Williamson County teams that we thought were good games, but turned out to be one side of the fairs. Yeah, yeah, they they really did. Um, and we'll start with yours Which with uh, Franklin say. and Smyrna. Yeah, uh, the, you know, it was a pretty electric atmosphere. Uh, you know, it it started tight for most of the first half, but eventually it was just too much Connor Beaven. Um, yeah, he spread the ball around. You know, when the coverage was tight, he used his legs just enough to keep the chains moving. You know, Franklin has a tremendous offensive line. I mean, you 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 go out there and you walk around these, and you see these kids, and all of a sudden, you know, you realize that you're you're just a little sapling in a in a whole forest of redwoods. <laughs> these kids were big, <laughs> but uh, they they kept uh, Beaven pretty much pristine most of the game. Um, now let me tell you, Ravenwood better bring their A game on on defense. Well, I know we'll talk about that later, but. Uh, the Admiral receivers, especially Carson Repass, uh, they win 50-50 balls. And and Beeman has so much trust in those guys, and for good reason. Uh, the two long touchdown passes were really just jump balls that Franklin won. Um, Smyrna was a little behind the eight ball going in. Uh, Avion Carter, their talented running back and defensive back, uh, was out with an ankle injury, and he was definitely missed. He's a big kid with speed. And unfortunately uh, – he, he was out, um, and it may have been a factor in the Bulldog running game, and he could have kept Franklin's offense maybe on the bench a few, uh, a few, a little longer and rested the defense, and his height would have matched well with the Franklin receivers. The Bulldogs had speed, but their line just lost too many battles, and Landon Miller had to do a lot of scrambling to be effective. But uh, let me tell you, when you talk about, when you talk about Smyr- uh, Smyrna, you do have to talk about Jameer Eaton. What a talent. Speed all over the field. He is a baller. It's a young team. Smyrna's a young team. They're going to be back better next year. Um, and depending on what happens in redistricting, you know, restructuring. In a different that, region from what we're seeing. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no telling what they'll be able to do. But, uh, yeah, I was very, very impressed with Franklin's offense. Yeah, Franklin goes on to win 49-13 and, and advancing to round two. It was a, it was a clean sweep by region six over Region 5 in Class 6A, and, and part of that was because Brentwood took control over Cane Ridge. And th- the story is here, Brentwood earlier in the week had to go to virtual learning, had a lot of players not able to dress, 34 of them in fact. Wow. As head coach Ron Crawford told us after the game, nine starters missing. They get to it and three plays in, Kate Granzel goes out with a knee injury. Really? and enter Davis White, who started the game at wide receiver and practiced at wide receiver most of the week. But it wasn't. But he had, he had done this before. He had to come into a game last year in, in, a, in a similar situation, and it worked out for them. So they had enough confidence in him that they didn't need to go back to Grand South if he would, could have come back in, which I don't know if he could have come back in, but he was limping pretty good on the sideline. In any event, Davis White took this thing over. And from the get-go, found Walker Merrill – and the two just clicked in 17 of 19 and five touchdown passes. Brentwood led this thing throughout after Kane Ridge. Kane Ridge opened the scoring in the first quarter. At the end of the first quarter, Xavion Clemens had a touchdown run, but then Brentwood just kind of took over from there, and 
White actually, he actually threw eight touchdown passes, and three of them were called back because of penalties, which is kind of a, amazing. a neat stat to throw out there. That's, that's amazing. But as shorthanded as Brentwood was, it did not matter. Now, their defense stifled Kane Ridge, and their offense just clicked. And it, it was impressive. one of the most impressive things I've seen from a, from a team in in this area in some time, just knowing – Know, the circumstances around that game, and well, that 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 goes that just goes to show you what good coaching does. Yeah, because to be prepared for that kind of for that kind of, of misfortune. Yeah, and not miss a beat. And and you got to look at other players like Luke Walters, Mac Hirschman, Scott Collins, and others who stepped up and were able to give White plenty of targets and plenty of help offensively to to keep the chains moving and you know. They had a lot of sustained drives because they were able to, they were they didn't get bogged down at all. So Ron Crawford's got enough confidence in Davis White that if he has to come in and lead the team, he can. It'll be a bigger challenge this week against Independence, but we'll get to that and who you got. Mm. But still, seeing Brentwood do that, you know, I picked Indy to Brent to beat Brentwood the first time they played just because I wasn't sure that Brentwood was kind of playing their best ball. They impressed me. They, they impressed me Friday, and and when they start getting these kids back who have been who have been out for contact tracing, quarantining, and this and such, they're going to get stronger. And this region is going to be one to watch the next couple of weeks to see how it falls out because I think one of these teams is going to wind up in Cookville. Wow, big words. The way they're going, big words. So. Plenty of those games to talk about and who you got. Uh, and and we'll, we'll also, we're going to talk to East Nashville head coach Jamal Crawford too in the next segment. They've got a game at Pearl Cone this week. It's our spotlight game of the week. We'll get him in the next segment. But we got to hand out some hardware first. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Our Citizens Bank uh, Player of the Week. And boy, what? We talk about Davis White. He was one of the 10 finalists we had. Yeah. I, I, I know because. When you and I first discussed the uh, this list of players, we were knocking our heads together just because nobody just jumped out. No, because there were so many strong performances here. Right. So let's run them down. We had Davis White, 17 of 19, 247, five touchdowns through the air. Also ran for 33 yards, and their 45-13 went over Kane Ridge. Axel Aldino from DeKalb County. 7 of 16 passing, 199 yards, and a touchdown through the air. Ran for three more scores as the Tigers beat Spring Hill 38-15. to East Nashville's Rontavius Gregory ran wild, 253 yards rushing on 16 carries and four touchdowns as they beat Fairview 26-13. to You mentioned Connor Beaven from Franklin, 18 of 24 passing, 378 yards, four touchdowns in their win. Brandon Jones from Good Pasture, who actually just won this award last week, gets back on this list again. He, all of our previous winners are eligible because it's the playoffs. He's right back on the list. 257 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns as Good Pasture beat Good, Good Pasture 128-21 over Knoxville Webb, including a 95-yard punt return for a score and 76 yards on the ground. Ellis Ellis from Hendersonville had 14 carries for 87 yards and two scores. He had a 55-yard touchdown catch, and he also picked off a pass on defense. They beat Blackman 30-21. to Jackson Campbell for Independence, 14 of 20 passing, 292 yards and four touchdowns. Independence won 49-14 at Laverne. Alex Broom from Lipscomb Academy, 317 total yards and five touchdowns in one half. What, he, wait, what, what? In play, one half, 300, 100, 131 yards rushing on seven carries, six catches for 186 yards, and he had 300, 317 yards total. You and, can do that? And five touchdowns. You can do that, apparently. <laughs> and Lipscomb Academy did because they beat St. George's 63-3. to And all 63 points came in the first half. Jordan James from Oakland, 213 yards rushing and two touchdowns on 14 carries, also had 26 yards through the air. Oakland won 40 to nothing over Rossview. Cavantes Hudson from Springfield, 9 of 20, passing 119 yards. Ran for 109 yards and accounted for four total touchdowns. Also picked off a pass as Springfield beat Jackson Southside 42 to 7. 
That is a loaded, lo- a very loaded, very loaded list. lineup. Yep. yep, a lot of impressive performances. The fans have decided that they want Axel Aldino to represent them in the voting. He had thirty-eight percent of the vote this week, more than thirty-five hundred voters. Davis White from Brett with thirty-one percent. Rontavius Gregory from East Nashville eleven percent. So those are the top three. But you, that's what you and I have talked about this. There are a couple more names to throw in there. Yeah, you know that was, uh, and, and we don't often discuss these guys ahead of time. But I was struggling, and and I, I told you I was struggling, and you had a couple, I had a couple, the people had a couple, mm-hmm. and you know it was kind of all over the place, but. We, yeah, I'm I'm going to throw out two names. I'm going to throw out two names that that really jumped out to me of of having good games. One was Rontavius Gregory, mm-hmm. 253 yards on 16 carries, four touchdowns against a Fairview team that is is very good on defense. Uh, um, yeah, offensively they were missing some pieces, uh, most notably uh, Logan Nardozzi. But this was, uh, you know, he he ran all over. Uh, Fairview, and that to me really stood out. The other one for me that stood out was Alex Broom. Uh, three hundred and uh, was it three fifteen? Three seventeen. I'm sorry, three seventeen. I lost him in the list. That's what, uh, three seventeen total yards, five touchdowns, and at this point, there really aren't any. You're in the playoffs. Every team that you're playing is a playoff team. So I can't really look at it and say, well, this team is this and that team is that. That was a half, and Alex Broom dominated the first half of that game like no, like nobody I've seen. So those were the two that jumped out to me. How about you? I'm going to second the, the, the nod for Broom, and the other one for me was Davis White just having – seen his performance in person, the way he came into the game and was just unfazed by anything that was going on. He, he just came in there, and, and they kept rolling. You know, he might not have had the passing yardage that some quarterbacks did, but he just took the game over and, and ran that offense like it was his own and nothing had ever really changed. So that, to me, was the most impressive performance that, that I had seen. But, you know, we got to make a decision. This is This is – Arguably the toughest, the toughest call on these for me this year. Yeah, it is for me as well. And you know, of course, we remember the rules. If we if we agree with the with the fan vote, it only takes one of us to agree with the fans. Yep. And and that that carries. If we don't agree, then the fan vote carries. If it's a three way split, the fan vote if winner it's gets a three-way it. Three way split, the fan vote gets. Yeah. If you and I agree on somebody else. We care. Yeah, it's what we agree on. Uh, Them's just the rules. I'm going to. I'm 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 breaking it down. I look at it, and don't get me wrong. Axel Aldino had an excellent game, but I I don't think that it stands out to me as the biggest the biggest game of that week. If we if if our if Davis White crosses out Rontavius Gregory, that leaves us both with Alex Broom on our list. And I could see Alex Broom because he only had to play a half. Yeah. That's the scary part. Is he That's only the did that scary in a half. part. 317 yards. You know, he was on his way to, you know, 600, 700 yards in that game. That's a dominating performance to me. That's a dominating performance to me. And if you dominate a, a game in that fashion, you're tough. That, that to me, I, I, w- I will agree with Broom as being the player of the week if that is something that you – I wish we had four of these to give out this week because there would be four players that I'd hand it to. Oh, oh gosh, no doubt. There were four that I came in thinking about and there are four that I would immediately hand it to and say congratulations. But we've only got one. And, 
man, it's tough, but uh, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Alex Broom. Wow. I'm going to go with Alex Broom. So, congratulations to Alex Broom of Lipscomb Academy for winning our Citizens Bank Player of the Week for the first round of the playoffs. What a performance. Yeah, incredible. When we come back, East Nashville head coach Jamal Stewart joins us on the 615 Preps podcast presented by NCP Coatings. So stick around with us. NCP Coatings Incorporated proudly supports the men and women of the U.S. military as America remembers our veterans' service and sacrifice. NCP works with American military research laboratories in developing technologically advanced primers, enamels, textured coatings, and top coats. These coatings help protect our armed forces and can reduce maintenance costs by millions of dollars. For ground-based defense and weapons, NCP makes chemical agent-resistant coatings with low volatile organic compounds and free of hazardous air pollutants. Ammunition casings, personnel carriers, tanks, no project is too big. NCP naval non-skid, non-slip coatings are used on aircraft carrier landing decks and submarines. And, you guessed it, NCP makes battleship gray paint. Even aerospace, NCP coatings are on jets and helicopters too, promoting longer service life. With NCP's experience in military coatings, imagine how tough our commercial products are. Visit our website, ncpcoatings.com, or call today toll-free, 800-627-1948. Back here on the 615 Preps Podcast, presented by NCP Coatings. I'm going to talk with East Nashville head coach Jamal Stewart about this week's game at Pearl Cone, round number two of the Class 3A playoffs. Coach, how are you doing this week? Doing good. Trying to get my boys folks. Big game. <laughs> You're right about that. It is a big game. You got a rematch of Pearl Cone. Um, first first go around didn't go like you wanted it, but uh, getting another shot at them. So let's talk about uh, first the game against Fairview because you guys go over there and you can get a big 26-13 win. Big night from Rontavious Gregory. Uh, how much did it mean to have him just take that game over? Well, you know, Rontavious is one of those kids, man. He's selfless, you know. Early off in the year, Kwanzi Jemison was the guy. Everybody was talking about Kwanzi doing what he, he's been doing, and he just, you know, he took his 10, 11 carries, and he didn't complain one bit. But I told him, you know, everybody's been focusing on Kwanzi now. I said, now, you know, Rontavious, you got to put the team on your back. So these last three games, he's probably had 25 carries and or, or around 25 carries. But, hell, he's, 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 uh, he's had at least – Almost 600 yards in the last three games, and it's just like I said, he's 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 one of them yes sir no sir kids, always on time, last one to leave, uh, help it help the younger kids. I mean, he's an ideal player, but like I said, when we asked him to step it up, hey, he didn't want no break, he didn't want to come out of the game, he he even went in on defense and didn't want to come out of the game on defense. So he's a special kid, and like I said, this time of year, what he's doing is remarkable, and we're gonna we're gonna ride him every week. And you talk about that defense. I mean, you guys hold Fairview to 13 points and, and as potent offense as they can have, and they were missing a couple pieces, but still to be able to to hold that attack to 13 points, that had to be a great point of pride for your defense, didn't it? Yeah, our defense has been pretty they, – they've been pretty solid for the most part. You know, a couple key plays we, here and there we'll lose uh, this one. Uh, what was that, this one? And, uh, but my, my defense coordinator, Chris Simpson, we uh, – he does a great job. You know, he, he comes up with sound sound schemes, nothing out of it, regular. It's it's built with, within what we book, what I believe in, what he believes in. And the kids are just ready to ride on, on defense. They, they're, they're just straight downhill. Uh, and they were, they were kind of pumped up for this game because they knew it was going to be a challenge. And because we all know Coach Hughes. You know, Coach Hughes is a good guy. He, we know he's going to give you all kind of sets, unbalanced, motion, trick plays. And that's what he does. So Coach Simpson actually plays with Coach Hughes in that seven on seven fast league. So he already knew how Coach uh Coach Hughes is. So the guys were really focused and the guys were really ready to just, you know, make a make a name for themselves on last Friday. So, you know, I was proud of them. I couldn't ask for anything. You know, they, they came they came out and hit us in the mouth the first drive. They grinded the clock out for six minutes. And you can tell when they came out the field, the kids was kinda of upset about that. And in the second half, they just turned it on. I, I mean, we, we were flying to the ball, uh, playing East National football. So, you know, I've been proud of them the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Coach, uh, one of the uh, players uh, on defense that I was watching uh, that, that seemed to be, like you said, flying all over was Jacoby Leatherwood, uh, linebacker. 
it seemed like he was getting in the backfield making some big plays. Jacoby Leatherwood is one of the best linebackers in the state of Tennessee. He is sideline to sideline, and when he puts his helmet on, he turns into a whole different person. Like, he's a very nice yes sir, no sir. You know, we're getting stuff prepared for the field. I tell you know, hey, go get the tables. Go get the chairs. Make sure the tarp's on the sideline. You know, you 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 know you're expecting the younger guy, the younger guys, to go do it. And, you know, that's what we got our younger guys to go do it. But hell, Jacoby's the first one down there to go help. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a senior. Like I said, we were like, hey man, go get the water. Jacoby, go get the water. You know what I mean? We were like, hey, uh, one of, I, I told one of my kids. I mean, one of my coaches I was like, hey, we need to go pick up such and such. Jacoby grabbed his keys. Like, coach, I know where he lives. I go get him. I mean, that just explains the person he is. Well, I know. But he's... when like I said. We, <laughs> When he puts when he puts his helmet on, he turns into a different different player. He is sideline to sideline. He watches film day in and day out. Um, whatever you need him to do, he's going to do it. If you have to put his hand in the ground, he'll do it. You know, that's just he's a great kid, and he's he's getting recruited nicely right now. And you know, he got a decision to make where he wants to go. But we got some people, you know, stepping in right now. We just got a word. Arkansas, Arkansas kind of likes him too. So you know, you know, it's the sky's the limit for Jacoby. If somebody give him the right opportunity, that's good to hear. I, I, I thought that uh, uh, Fairview might have used him in the back, but he spent so much time back there. Uh, <laughs> 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 but now, uh, guys, he, he, he's a go getter. Yep. We'll turn our attention to Pearl Cone. I mean, you guys, you know, it was a loss to him the first time, but you, I guess you got to feel like. Uh, you have a better chance in this in this meeting, even though you're going over there. What what do you feel like this matchup is going to hinge on this week? What's the biggest thing for your kids to to maybe try to pull one out here? Uh, play East Nashville football. Uh, when I, I, I when I first got there, we you know I hopped on discipline, doing what you're supposed to do, being coachable, and don't get involved in the you know the hooping and hollering. Like I'm not a big stickler of that. You never see me on social media talking about another guy's team or any players, anything like that. And I'm just, I'm not into it. And I try to, you know, harp that on, on my kids. And we, for the most part, we 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 done that. But the, after the first half of our fir- our first matchup, it was a 21-21 tie. We came out and we started to like go back and forth with them, which we, well, you know, you know they like to talk and that's fine. But that's not something we want to do. So we started to go back and forth with them, and we lost focus, and then we lined up wrong twice, two or three times, and you can't line up wrong against Pearl Cone. They're, they're fast, you know what I'm saying? So we was out of position, and then they were in a jet sweep, didn't get touched. Uh, well, we got we got people lined up wrong, and then, we, like I said, it's just we, we got to focus on being East Nashville, doing what we're supposed to do, being the best East Nashville. We can't go back and forth worry about Pearl Cone. We can't worry about what they do who they are. We got to worry about us. You know, when you get in these playoff games, usually it's it's a big home field advantage. But without without fans this year in Metro, how much different has it been going to play another Metro school on the road and, and knowing that there's no crowd, there's no band to pump in that noise for distract maybe distract kids? <laughs> well, being an offensive coordinator, offensive mind guy. It's pretty cool when you can go check the play and everybody. I mean, it's pretty cool you can check the play and your guys can hear. So you know, that's been kind of helpful. But uh, other than that, I mean, my kids, man, we've been through so much adversity and going like not just us, just Metro all around. We really don't complain about it. I mean, it's going to be exciting because they're allowing us to have thirty-three percent of fan attendance this week. So I mean, the kids are excited. But you know, Seagull was our first time having real fans and they enjoy it. And we we played terrible. We we played terrible. Not taking anything from season because they played their butt off, but we played terrible. And like I said, and it, we a couple of times I turn around, I see guys looking to the stands like, oh man, we got fans here. And we're playing <laughs> terrible right now. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so we miss, like miss, we do, like I said, got to stay on path of what 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 the main focus is. And it's like I said, it's going to be a hostile environment. I already know it is. Every time it is, you know. I came from Hillsborough. We played we played Brooklyn last year. It was a hostile environment. So, anytime you play them, they're gonna let you know about it. And like I said, you just gotta stay focused on us. And like our fans are gonna be there. We're gonna be we're excited to have that. But if they wasn't, we still gotta play football Friday night. And that sequel game was a late addition too. So I mean, y'all had to prepare for that pretty short notice, right? Yeah, I mean, we we have despite not being able to play because Metro didn't allow us to play the first four games. Man, we had cancellations. 
good pasture. Uh, it stormed, and they didn't want to redo it. I mean, they didn't want to play the next day. Weiss Creek didn't play and chose not to play us for some reason. Uh, so, you know, Green Hill uh, replaced us during the COVID. Because that was supposed to be Green Hill. So they, they when the whole COVID situation occurred, uh, they started replacing all Metro schools with games. So he re, he replaced us with uh, Notre Dame. And uh, me and Coach Crowds are good friends, too. You know, so, I mean, it was no hard feelings. But it just so happened the Seagull had an opening, and we filled it in, like, two, three days before the game. So, I mean, it is what it is. But football's got to be played. It's their scheme versus our scheme. So we didn't complain about it, but we just came out so flat. And I, I told my kids, I think I kind of we kind of underestimated them, you know, with their record and stuff like that. But those kids came out and fought, they fell off, and they were hyped and they were excited, and you know, but it was good for our kids because the previous three Metro games we did play, it was it was pretty bad early, so you know, we wasn't getting a real challenge other than Pearl Cone, if it, if that makes sense. So we had to sit, we had to you know show character and you know fortitude, whatever to, to get through the adversity of being down fourteen to six or in the fourth quarter. Well, Coach, so. you talk about uh, getting the late start and 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 everything. Do you feel like right now you're you know you're just now getting uh, your team on stride uh, with being with having the delays and having not being able to practice and all that? Absolutely. Like I feel like we will be in game. Well, of course, like really mid season form right now. Uh, like I said, everybody in Metro played six six football games, while we only played four because of cancellations, and we couldn't replace them. I mean, nobody was at any openings. So now we're talking about we're going into a game where this is game six for us. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's it's not an ideal situation, but at this point in time in the season, we will be like know where we really stood. But unfortunately, we we're, we're, we're in this scenario going into the playoffs versus one of the best teams in the state. But like I told them all year long, you can't cry about it, can't harp on it. We just got to make the best of it and go do what we're supposed to do. But I feel like we're okay where we are right now. But we're not, you know, in a traditional season, we're not where we would be. Yeah, it's especially true considering being your first year as a head coach. You know, you would have wanted to come in a lot different than this. But what if you learned as a head coach from this season that you can take and, and just go with that? The rest of the way, I learned I should have probably waited a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> I said, maybe, maybe I should have stayed two more years. <laughs> this is not how this is not how the manual says. <laughs> I mean, honestly, all the stuff we've dealt with, I promise you, I feel like next year I, I really have a better grasp on it. You know what I mean, and I mean, mm-hmm. I feel, I mean, I feel good. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. I know what I'm doing, and I understand. I got a good staff. But after our kids been through all this, if we're able, able to go back to any kind of normal capacity, I think it'll be a, a better a breeze. But I mean, like I said, just adversity, adversity, I mean, it makes you a man. Yeah. I, I like I said, harping it all the time, crying about it, and not complaining never fixes anything. I, so we just got to find a way to fix it ourselves. So that's what we've been doing. You know. Like I said, I got the job in April. Uh, I didn't get to meet my kids till June, face to face. So, I mean, that's definitely not the ideal situation. And then when we got, when I, so when we got there, I can only have so many in the weight room. I mean, not outside or in the workout. Then we couldn't use the weight room. So, I mean, it's like I said, it's, it's all we had to jump through all these hoops to get get to this point right here. And this, like I said, it's worth it because we're still playing. Because we could be like men for schools and not get to play at all, and that would have been terrible. So. The opportunity is there in front of us, and we just got to make the best of it. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll see a really good game from your kids this week, and uh, we'll see what happens at Pro Cone. And I know I'm looking forward to being over there and uh, getting to see you guys in person. Yes, sir, I appreciate it. I look forward to it too. It's going to be a great game. Yeah. Coach Jamal Stewart, thanks for joining us this week. I'll say good luck this week, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. You guys have a good one. All right, you too. That's East Nashville head coach Jamal Stewart on the 615 Preps podcast presented by NCP Coatings. After this, it's who you got, so stay with us. Back here on the 615 Preps podcast presented by NCP Coatings, it's time to get into who you got. Scott, uh, last week kind of hurt us a little bit. All of us, we all, we all had some, took some lumps. Oh, yeah. There were, yeah, 
we I shouldn't be surprised. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really shouldn't be surprised. Not just because you know, we're not going to be right all the time, but just because there are some good teams out there. Yeah. And there were some upsets that on paper looked worse than, you know, how they were actually on the field. Okay, so I don't know. You have not seen your record from last week. Why don't you take a guess on how you did? Uh, do we have nine games? Did ten. We, we had ten. ten. We, we had ten. ten? Okay. Uh, I'm going to say I went four and six. Flip it. You went six and four. I went six and four. Okay, see, I, I said that so I wouldn't feel so bad. But you are, you are tied with the Twitter voters for second place. I'm tied with the Twitter voters for second. Okay, I tied yeah. the Twitter voters. I'm happy. They went seven and three to catch you. Uh, oh, I'm tied now. You're with tied them. now. Oh, okay, you, you okay. weren't before. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm still trailing you. I'm sure. I'm holding that four game lead. It's, it's, it's still kind of slim at this point. Yeah. So how, how did Drake do? He went five and five, and he's, he, he's reached the seventy win mark for the first time this year. So uh, okay, he, he's at seventy one well, and forty five yeah. for the year. Hey, he still could catch us. Yeah, he could. Of course, the he's he has shown he's not will, he's not. Unwilling to take risks. No, no, that's which a good I thing. appreciate. It. That's a good thing. Yeah. On to the games, though. Nolansville, DeKalb County starts us off. It's a rematch of a quarterfinal in four in four A of last year, and DeKalb gets to host it this time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, and two weeks ago, we didn't know. We didn't know because well, we, we thought we thought it wasn't going to happen. Right. I mean it. It's it's amazing how uh, how quickly things could change. Yep. Boy, you look at Nolansville. You know they they put it to Livingston Academy last week, um, and you know Ryder Gillardi is just one of the best quarterbacks in the mid state. You know he reads defenses extremely well. He's exceptional in RPO, but they're a fairly balanced team. You don't you know you talk a lot about Gillardi, but Samson Johnson is is a real deal. Yeah, um, and they played a fairly competitive schedule. Their worst loss uh, of their three losses was uh, a. Uh, 28-14 loss to Columbia. But then on the other side, you've got Axel Aldino, who's just a magician. He's a literal Houdini. He can pull a rabbit out of a hat while chained up inside a safe that's buried eight feet deep, and still somehow he escapes with the rabbit and your wallet. Uh, uh, Yeah, he has tremendous pocket awareness. (laughs) His receivers are deaf enough to know where on the field he's going to break plays. It's just uh, he's one of those players that kind of just transcends – you know, pocket awareness. Um, you know, defensively, they bend, don't break, and I don't know if they can afford to do that too much against Nolensville. This, got, this game really has all the cla- makings of a classic game and could come down to one or two big plays. And, you know, DeCab's playing. We talked before, you know, we talk, you, you talked about DeCab kind of playing with house money. Yeah. Uh, you know, two weeks ago they didn't think they are going to be here, and but that has its own pressures. But... Uh, I think Nolansville coming in is somewhat – they may feel themselves as somewhat of an underdog. I don't know. That comes with its own kind of freedom. I don't think you can throw any of that in the mix. I think they're just going to line up and play. I don't think you call an upset, but I'm leaning Nolansville in this game. I don't think there's an upset either way, honestly. I think these two teams can play each other pretty evenly. I said on Twitter this is going to be an absolute light show with the way these quarterbacks can play. I could see this being 42-38. I really could. Oh, yeah. Easy. The way these offenses can score. And if that's the case, give me the home team. Give me the Cab County this one to get a little bit of revenge and keep playing with that house money because Tullahoma will be around the corner next week. Yeah. Yeah, you make a very good point. I think you're right. If this is if this turns out to be a track meet, that favors the Cab. I think so. I think so. So what how this is gonna work is you're gonna have the whole you're gonna have the whole Logical breakdown in the game. I'm going to give a snap judgment, and then we're going to move on. So. <laughs> well, that's, well not, that's not necessarily the case. Well, no, it, it's how I'm going to play this one from here, for, for this week anyway. I'm going to try a little something, something here. Uh-oh, okay. Columbia at Summit. We talked about Columbia beating Nolansville earlier. They get a rematch with Summit, who knocked a little bit of rust off last week. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, this is one of the games that uh, – this is one of the games I actually won, <laughs> I think, last week. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you know, three overtime game, uh, three overtimes against Gallatin. Um, you know, Brady McCandless had a good game. He's moving the ball. Uh, but mistakes and a good Gallatin defense kind of kept him out of the end zone most of the game. It's kind of been the story for Columbia most of the year, the solid defense, and then that offense just kind of sputters. 
you know, here and there and, and or fails to ignite. Summit, well, if there was any hangover from their week two, uh, I mean, from their two-week COVID layoff, it didn't show against Hillwood. You know, it, uh, they literally ran over the Hilltoppers to the tune of about 316 yards on the ground. Um, it's amazing what this team had to dig down deep this year to find, uh, to be able to replace Keaton Wade and found uh, the rest of their team uh, capable. Um, not because of what he, you know, necessarily because of his offensive skills, because what he brings to the defensive side of the ball. You know, on paper, this game looks to be a mismatch, especially with the prospect of getting Keaton Wade back. Um, but I don't see any reason for that to change. I expect Summit to win this game. I expect him to win it, win it handily. The thing about Summit is that last week they didn't need Destin Wade to run the ball much. In fact, Brandon King was their leading rush of 82 yards. They had three guys over 60 yards, and all three of them averaged six yards per carry or more. They can do that again this week. And Columbia is going to get some kids back. They're going to be more toward full strength. But even then, I don't know if they're going to be able to match up with Summit. If Keaton Wade's able to play in this one, we're about to see Summit at full strength. And I like this part into this one as well. Clarksville at Northeast is a 5A rematch in, in the Montgomery County area. Yeah, I'm sure there's a name for it up there. I don't know what it is. Yeah. The, you know, the battle of whatever. You, know. you need to find something for that if, yeah. there's, if there's not one out there anyway. But, uh, yeah, Clarksville Northeast will we'll, we'll re- we'll renew their acquaintances this week. And um, this has – one of these teams is going to get to the quarterfinals, but uh, which one? Oh, that's a good question. But, you know, Northeast, they got an invitation around two thanks to COVID. Mm-hmm. So they've had an extra week to work on improvements. You know, the last time they faced the Wildcats, uh, Clarksville held them to the lowest passing total of the year. But the Eagles ran o- decided just to run the ball and ran over them uh, to the tune of 282 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know, Juwan Harris had 201 of those uh, 201 yards in that game. I don't see any reason why they would shy away from that formula. And if they do, they have Jaden Puig back there. Uh, really good arm, really good decision maker. Clarks, on the other hand, you know, they knocked off Munford for the second straight year uh, last week. Uh, they've been loading up the points lately, averaging about 42 points per game in the last three. And they won, but they won that game really on the strength of their defense. They've got a good running back in Rayshon Bowling. He's a tough runner. They also have another one in Jamar Carnell. I'm sorry, Carnell, who's come on late. But Clarksville's still struggling to overcome the loss of two offensive linemen that are now playing at the next level. And it may take them a year or two to get to the next group to, to gel. Northeast got a lot of firepower, and I feel that they've got time, had time to prepare, heal up. I think the Eagles win this game, but I think it's a lot closer than it was the first time around. Could see a lot of that. A lot of these rematches in round two are region rematches. So, yeah, a closer game, I think so, but I think Northeast – Gets their shot at Henry County for a second time. I'll, I'll like the Eagles to advance. Mount Juliet at Oakland. Speaking of rematches, this one is a rematch of a playoff game of the last two seasons where Mount Juliet took Oakland into the second half and deep into the fourth quarter, close before Oakland finished the job. Patriots hosted again. They're still unbeaten. Who we got? Well, you know, Mount Juliet, uh, they really showed their defense last week, stopping C.J. Taylor uh, as much as they did. Now, it, they bent but didn't break. They still allowed him 199 yards on 14 carries uh, he, and gave up a, a pretty uh, good run. But they did force several turnovers, uh, you know, against a, a good Warren County team. Uh, there's one guy, uh, but that was one guy in a fairly one-dimensional offense. Um what can they do to stop Oakland, who has a stable of good running backs? Um, I don't know if they have the offense to play keep away from from Oakland's offense, but if they do, if they are going to, then Cam Malone and Conlon Baggett and Jamari Soles got to got to keep that those chains moving. Yeah, Oakland, you know, despite the lopsided score, Rossview stayed in the game for a lot of the first half. In fact, mistakes on their part really. Jump-started the Oakland team. You know, they were down 7 to nothing. give up a pick six on a screen. Patriots had a touchdown later to go in 21 nothing at the half, and from there the route was on. Um, Jordan James put up 213 yards on uh, 14 carries. Uh, you know, bottom line, Mount Juliet has a defense to stand up to the Oakland offense, but the Patriots just have too many weapons, I think. I think that Mount Juliet's going to have to make a choice on how they're going to stop Oakland. 
Uh, I expect a big night from Isaiah Horton. I, I think that uh, Mount Gio is going to have to focus on stopping the run, make Oakland pass, and maybe just maybe that defense can get some turnovers. Maybe they can get out in front. Uh, on the flip side, I expect Oakland to line up to stop the run and force the Bears to pass. I think that favors Oakland here. I agree. And with so many weapons that Oakland has, they can come at you in waves. I mean, you can slow one running back down, but they've got three more behind them. They can just keep feeding, and that offensive line feeds off that kind of energy. Oakland, teams can take Oakland into the second half. It's been done before. But can they get to the fourth quarter and keep this thing close? That's my question for Mount Julian. I don't know that their offense will be able to do so. I like Oakland to win this one in a convincing fashion, but convincing fashion gets Mount Juliet maybe two or three scores and, and not a total blowout. But I still like the Patriots to roll here. Yeah. Riverdale and Hendersonville, kind of in that same bracket. You know, the winner of this one will get the Mount Juliet Oakland winner next week. Hendersonville held off a Blackman rally. Riverdale took care of Wilson Central in convincing fashion. What about it? Well, you know, Hendersonville. Um you know, Brenton Rowe had himself a game against Blackman, 145 yards rushing. And they were able to do what they had to do against Blackman, which was play enough defense to let their offense carry the day. As you predicted last week, Ellis Ellis had a great night. You said, you know, give yourself some credit there. You saw that coming, that he would have to, he would have, to have a big night to beat Blackman. Uh, once again, uh, Hendersonville took advantage of mistakes. It's funny how – it, when they can force mistakes from the other team, they take advantage of it. Yeah. And, you know, their their biggest problem in the past has been making mistakes themselves. Um, you know, they, you know, cause three turnovers, untimely penalties. If they play mistake-free football the rest of the way out, they probably going to make some noise. But you look at Riverdale, and we all knew that Riverdale had a pretty good defense, but even I didn't think they would dominate the Wildcats like they did Friday. Uh, the you know they they held them to ninety one total yards. Uh, they limited Tristan Lewis to five of twelve passes and only twenty five yards. Uh, that's, that's that's amazing stout. for that's stout for that's a Wilson stout. Central team that has yep. put up points this year. Yeah, they also held Xavier Ali to twenty three yards on ten carries. Make no mistake, this defense is the real deal. Yeah. Uh, offense is their problem. They've been inconsistent, but I think a lot of that has to do with Jimson Holcomb and his injury uh, at the quarterback spot. Mm-hmm. Any game in Hendersonville is tough, though. And you know, Riverdale's had their share of miscues this year, but I just think this defense cures a lot of ills. And I think it's a tight game, but I think that the that the Warriors may just be a smidge better and will pull pull this one out. Yeah, Riverdale's defense is playing its best ball right now. And for Hendersonville to win this game, they've got to be sound everywhere. They can't have a special teams miscue. They can't have turnovers, and they can't have untimely penalties. Those hidden yards will kill them. I'm I'm afraid it'll happen, too. I think Riverdale wins this game, and I think they win by a couple scores. I like what the Warriors are doing right now. And I'm curious to see if they can get a rematch in the Battle of the Borough with Oakland in the quarterfinals. I think they'll get their shot. When we come back, we'll finish things up. And who you got? We got five more games to pick for the second round. So stay with us. This is the Six One Five Preps Podcast. Here to finish up, who you got? We got Franklin and Ravenwood starting off the second half of this group. And you know, Ravenwood makes its debut in the postseason after having a bye last week. Stewart's Creek was out because of COVID nineteen quarantine issues. Franklin with a convincing win at Smyrna. So, you know, a little bit of rest against a, a team that's, that's playing pretty hot right now. This could get interesting. Yeah, Franklin is playing as well as anybody right now, I think. Uh, Connor Beaven and that high-flying Admiral offense, you know, they have the firepower to keep up with the Raptors. Uh, the question is, can they stop Trevor Andrews and the Raptor offense? That's going to be the big question mm-hmm. here. Uh, the last time they met, Andrews threw for nearly 300 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. So, I mean, um you know, two of them were to Jake Brennan still and two to Lee Mullet. Um, the game wasn't anywhere near as close as the score uh, would lead you to believe. Uh, 14 of Franklin's 21 points came late. Um, the key to this game is going to be Franklin offensive line against the Raptor defensive line, I think. 
if the Admirals can run the ball with Bryce Sparks, they have a chance because that keeps the Raptor offense off the field. Yep. But that is a very, very tall task because this is a very, very talented Ravenwood team. Um, you know, in the first matchup, Junior Colson and Damon Owens didn't play. Right. You know, that's two of their top defenders. Yep. Um, they also had 11 penalties. I'm, I'm sure that Matt Daniels is going to make a point of reminding the team in practice this week. I expect the Raptors won't stray uh, from the game plan. I expect a lot of Brenning Stool. And with Colson back, I think this team's going to be hard to beat, not just for Franklin. I think this may be – uh, this team may be gearing up for a, a long run. So I think that in this game, um, they're going to get by Franklin. I was impressed to see what Connor Beaven was able to do with his receivers and against Smyrna. Uh, that, that receiving core, it, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, but they're going to face a better secondary and a better defense this time. I think it's a motivated Ravenwood team that's going to want to make a statement out of the gate in the postseason. This is their first postseason game, so – we could see some fireworks from the Raptors, and, and I like Ravenwood to advance to meet the winner of this next game, Independence at Brentwood. It's a rematch of a game from three weeks ago where Indy knocked off the Bruins in Brentwood. Yeah, it's another uh, another revenge game or another – well, it just depends on what side of the score you were on, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, the Bruins have been rock steady most of the year, and – you would think that the formula for stopping them would be simple, but we learned last week uh, stopping Cade Granzel is not necessarily how you do it. Um, you have to force him to make mistakes, capitalize on those mistakes, uh, and get out in front. And they proved that their core is good uh, with so many things missing from their lineup. And, uh, you know, they had Granzel and House on the bench, they had, uh, what, 34? Was it 34? 34 players, 34 varsity players did not dress. Yeah. Nine starters did not play. Yeah, so, you know, they weather, weathered that inevitable storm that, uh, you, you, you know, whatever you do, you've got to weather that inevitable storm they're going to throw yeah. at you. Uh, yeah. uh, if you survive, you might come out on top. But they uh, defensively, they had to find a way to stop Jackson Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last time these teams met, Campbell had 103 yards on the ground and 213 through the air. So he was a large, large part of that victory. Um, Independence formula is pretty much the same. Uh, you think, you know, you, you think stop it. Well, you stop Jackson Campbell. Well, you know, you think it's easy? Every team this year that's faced him has tried. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, only Ravenwood did it effectively on the ground. He still threw for 209 yards. Uh Defensively, Brady Jenkins has to have a, a big game. Uh, he's fourth on the team in tackles. He leads the team in sacks. So they're going to have to find a way to keep uh, Brentwood's quarterbacks in the pocket, and they're going to have to tackle well. They can't allow Granzow to get additional yardage outside the pocket. But if he can't go, it's a tough break, but it's not a fatal one because they proved they could win without him. But it's going to take a total team effort to beat this Eagle team has already beat him once at full strength. Um, they did they did a number on Ray Banner last week, but this team is a lot different. And with Granza out, I lean towards Indy. But I don't know that you could drag Cade Granza out from this game. I'm going Bruins. I think that uh, I think that they've just uh, they've got something to prove. You can slow down Brentwood's running game all you want to, but if you don't cover Walker Merrill, it's not going to matter because. He can get open and make a lot of guys miss. So the key for me for Independence's defense is making sure that you've got him locked down tight, whether it's double coverage or, or some sort of zone and zone man combo or, or whatever. But you know they're going to they're going to find him. They're going to find him out there. They're going to hit him in, in, in open in open field. He can make things happen. Brentwood's. Brentwood looked really good to me last week, despite all their guys out. They're going to get probably half of those back this week, and like including some guys in key spots. This one, I thought the first one was going to be a shootout. This one very very well may may be. So if it's in the thirties, I won't be shocked. And if that's the case, I'm okay. I think Brentwood wins. I think Brentwood gets some revenge this week. So we're 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 on the same page. I think I think, I think we are. 
But then again, Independence beat them once, and it would it wouldn't be a shock. It wouldn't be an upset. No, to me. not not at all. It wouldn't be an upset if, if this no. was if this was Vegas. It'd be a pick in my in my book. Yeah, I so. agree. Pope John Paul II at Brentwood Academy. Let's go right up Granny White Pike because a mile away, the Eagles are going to try to begin their postseason march. They're they're ten of though. JP two is kind of unlucky because they came into la- they came into two weeks or last week actually they didn't play, but while Division two AAA was finishing up, JP two could have finished anywhere from first to fourth in the West Region. They were tied for the lead. They end up the fourth seed. And they have to play Brent Run Academy. It's just a, a, a really a stroke of bad luck just hit them. Yeah, sometimes you can lose without playing. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Well, you know, the revenge tour for the Eagles continues. Uh, you know, the, they may have, you know, the, this team may have the best offensive line in the state, anchored by Eli Sutton, but this may be one of the best offensive lines in the state. And lately, They've shown some offensive balance with Deuce Scott to go along with Case and Kalmus in that backfield. Um, but Taylor Montel has been spot on. Uh, he he has been he has been very very good. I think this game is going to hinge on though defensively on the play of Elijah Oatesfall and corner uh, cornerback Amir Anor. I think those guys because. Pope John Paul has got offensive weapons. I think it's going to be on the Brentwood defense to to stop this dynamic attack, along with you know with Antoine Roberts back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, JP Two's loaded with seniors wanting to make their mark in their final season, and boy, what a bigger mark would there be than knocking off unbeaten Brentwood Academy? Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, th- this time next year, Antoine Roberts will be running through the Dairy State, so. You know, this this is going to be a big challenge for him, but one that I think he's up for. Um, the Eagles will be looking to stop Robert, so that's going to put pressure on. And that's the question: is do we see Sawyer Watts? Do we see Kenny Minchie? You, you you know, both of them have strengths, and yeah. I imagine both of them will see playing time. It just depends on uh, who's going to have the hot hand. I think. Yeah. Um. You know, JP two is going to be hoping for a high scoring game. This there's another one. If it's a high scoring game, it's going to I think it's going to favor JP two. Uh, that's their game. That's how they roll. Uh, BA is going to try to slow them down. Kind of reminds me of the Eagles song. Who's going to make it? We'll find out in the long run. There you go. Uh, you know, I just think that the uh, Brentwood Academy defense may bend a bit, but they ain't breaking. All right. <laughs> You mentioned the revenge factor, and I'm going to throw this out there. Taylor Montiel was not a Mr. Football semifinalist. He's probably not going to care about that, but he might show it in other ways. He may just very well show that he should have been, and Brentwood Brentwood Academy just might have a a little something up their sleeve this week. Now, the biggest question is with JP2 and who plays quarterback. I mean, do they play both at some point during the game, or do you put Sawyer Watson there knowing that he's your top guy and – Give him a shot because Kenny Minchie's just a sophomore. Watts can Watts is your top guy. I think you put him in there and you see what happens if he's healthy and ready to go. You know, JP two's got nothing to lose here. I mean, they've had quite the season and they're coming in here with reckless abandon. I, I expect them to give Brentwood Academy a game here, and, and this one should stay for fairly close. But in the end, Brentwood Academy's played as well as anybody uh, that I've seen this year. And I'm taking the Eagles to go on to the to the semifinals. I like what you said there. I, I think you're exactly right. Taylor Montiel did not see semifinalist. Mm. And it may not mean anything to him. But I guarantee you, everybody on that offensive line. It's a point of pride to somebody. And those guys, and, and knowing Brentwood Academy, they will use that. It's a point of pride for somebody. Yeah. Hillsboro and Beach is our next to last game. And it's a game that you're going to see – this week as well, so I, I again I, I get to see him twice. Yeah, uh, you had the first game, yeah, and it was a very a very tight defensive game yeah. the first time around. Do we see a repeat of that, or do things open yeah. up a little bit? Yeah, I saw I, I saw a new hope. Now I'm going to see uh, uh, the uh, will it be the Burrow strike back? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, they played tough against the Bucks at uh, at Overton. Uh, Earlier in the year, as they emerged from COVID, uh, COVID hibernation, 
Um, their rushing defense has seemed to improve ever since. They held Page to negative 12 yards on the ground last week uh, and 141 total yards, and Page can throw that ball around. Uh, aside from the Cane Ridge game, they really haven't allowed more than seven points a game. Um, Jalen Macon is playing on an entirely different level. Looking at him on field, uh, he, he is a grown man out there. Yep. He has the ability to extend the pocket. He's hard to bring down, makes plays downfields more often than not to uh, Lantrez Vaughn. They know that this – the Bucks have to know that this team has vastly improved from the last time they met. On the other side, Beach had a little bit of a warm-up game against Lincoln County, a, a team that probably wouldn't have made the playoffs if Shelbyville hadn't had their suspension. Um, the good news is is that Beach has been working on their passing game ever since that Beach game without sacrificing their run. I mean, they, they really have, I think, worked on trying to find balance right. in that offense. Uh, Coach uh, Crabtree was really gearing up for a playoff run, uh, trying to find that balance between Xavier Jones throwing and that three-headed monster that is Tyshawn Jefferson, Adrian Johnson, and Patrick Hill. Yep. The Burroughs are playing like a team uh, trying to take advantage of every opportunity to play because it didn't look like they were going to have one. Uh, a lot like DeCab, except earlier with Met, uh, Metro Schools. And their run defense really does have the ability to control the Bucks' running game. A passing game favors the Burroughs. And I, this is really a tough one to call. It really is to me a tough one to call. I think special teams plays a factor in this game, and Beach usually plays there. I'm going to go with the Bucks because of the home field aspect of it. That's that's a big deal. That's a big deal this time of year. And you know, Hillsboro's not been able to have any fans. They haven't had a home. You know, we have we have to remember their stadium's still not done. It's not going to be done this year. So this is the third consecutive season that they've been a nomad, and, and that's got to weigh on kids. It really does. Not having a home, a true home field, and and Beach has that new stadium, the new turf at the stadium. You know, the Bucks have just been one of those teams that you know we don't necessarily talk about them a bunch, but it's because they're just quietly winning. They do what they do. It's it's not changed. The formula is still there. First game was tight. This one might be tighter, but in the end, I like Beach to win this one just because that three-headed monster in the backfield should be able to get the job done. And that brings us to our spotlight game of the week: East Nashville at Pearl Cone. It's a rematch of a region game from earlier this year. Pearl Cone unbeaten at 7-0. East Nashville looking for a little bit of revenge. They made a statement against Fairview. Can they do it again this week? Well, it's it's a it's a, a tall task for certain, but uh, Ron Tavis Gregory, again, you know, he made that tremendous splash last week, and I have a feeling that the Eagles are going to make sure that he has plenty of work uh, in order to keep Pearl Cone's offense on the sideline. Um, you know, Quanzie Jemison, uh, he, he is another one of those run pass guys that, uh, he can beat you either way. It's going to make it tougher for the Firebirds to focus on one person, which is good for them. Um, if they can make plays in the passing game, Pearl may be in for the fight. The defense did a great job last week, turning over Fairview and getting big stops. Granted, Logan Nardozzi was, uh, reduced to, to one carry because of his lingering, Leg injury. Um, but the big loss, maybe it's starting offensive lineman, Talon Fletcher, who suffered a leg injury. And I'm not sure, what, uh, you know, the, the extent of his injury. Um, if they want to win this game, they're going to have to play disciplined and not get goaded into penalties. It cost them last game. They had, and the, the last time they played Pearl. And they had 13 in the Fairview game. On the other hand, Pearl... This defense lately, let me tell you, the Pearl defense lately, there's something else. They have pitched four straight shutouts. Mm-hmm. The defense is anchored by uh, Eric, uh, by Jordan and Carr. Um, you've got uh, Mr. Uh, you got Class Three A Mr. Football semifinalist Martino Owens with some unfinished business since he uh, uh, trying to get back to that that title game since he went down in it with an ankle last year. Um, They've been stretching their passing legs lately. I think um, I, I think it's what a lot of good coaches do at this time because they realize they cannot be one-dimensional when they get into the playoffs. Um, and this is a 
a, a, a lineup that has a backfield that has outstanding backs in Dayton and Hodge. But why not throw it when you got Breedlove and Brown to throw to? Um, last time these two teams met, it was a dogfight until halftime. And then Pearl made some adjustments. And they held uh, the Eagles 63 yards in the second half. And quite frankly, they failed to cross midfield in the second half. I think the Firebird defense is better than Fairview, and they have the scoring offense to keep the pressure on the Eagles. I just don't see I, I just don't see that the Eagles have enough to, to overtake the Firebirds here. Yep. Yeah. Uh I think Pearl Cone their their weapons are just gonna be too much in this game. And East Nashville will have to go off to a hot start and and, and not dig themselves any sort of hole. That they gotta find a way to lead and lead early or otherwise this could get away from them in a hurry. I mean, it's been a good run for them, but defensively they're gonna just have to contend with so many weapons on, on Proko's offense, and I just don't know that it's enough, given that Proko had a week of rest to get ready for this game. So I like the Firebirds as well, and interested to see that one to see how it develops, and uh, I know that with a lot of these games being rematches, we're looking at some pretty wild quarterfinal games in Division One and semifinal games in Division Two next week. So when we come back next week, we'll talk about uh, – Hopefully some some big time games coming. Oh yeah, yeah, we're getting in into that season now. That uh, that time of the season, this is the payoff. Yep, yep. The payoff is the payoff is here. All all of this all of this weird 2020 season, and and this is going to be a, it's going to be a good payoff. I think as long as everything can keep going in the right direction. So that's all the time we've got this week. Uh, for Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. This is the 615 Preps Podcast presented by NCP Coatings. We will talk to you next week. And don't forget to thank a vet. The 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC. Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tried and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615 Preps Podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at cbrookstn and Scott at sburton615.